0: This is Brett uh, coming to you with our first episode of the Seeking Our Spirit podcast, the SOS podcast. Uh, really excited to finally be here with you. have a great guest today. He is my uh, my former boss, my friend, my mentor, the Reverend Dr. Howard J. Hess. He's got a great story, and so I look forward to you being able to hear that. If you want to be on the show, contact us at seekingourspirit at gmail.com. Enjoy. All right. Cool. So we're rolling. Okay. We're here. Um, Like I was saying before, we got started. uh, I'm excited but nervous um, to finally be doing this. I think we've been talking about doing this for like
1: three months, maybe.
0: Oh, man. Like a year. A year. Yeah. Like a long time, don't you think?
1: There you go. Yeah. So we're like good grapes. We kind of age over time. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So I'm excited to do this because it's been sort of a, 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 you know, a dream, I guess, but also, yeah, just a passion project idea I've had for a long time, and you were the first person I thought of. I was like, if I'm going to do this, the first person has to be you. So the the circumstances of life um, uh, just sort of dictated that uh, it took a lot longer than we had wanted to do this first one. Yes, yes. so anyway, so I'm excited to have you, um, uh, friend, mentor, someone that uh, uh, I have a lot of fun with, but respect and love. And so well, I thank you. to you the first great. one. Yeah. Great intro. And um, uh, I guess just to jump off and, and summarize, um, you, this idea for me was, it, it comes out of a desire that I have to talk about spirit or spirituality with people. Mm, Um, And particularly folks that I probably wouldn't have the opportunity to talk to um, about that topic, you know, sort of outside of church or in other contexts, which obviously doesn't apply to us. But um, uh, so the thinking on my part is um, in the religious world or in the secular world, people use these terms of spirituality or spirit all the time.
1: Yes, and they mean many different things, but right. Yeah.
0: And I and I would um I would argue that it's I would argue that it's the most important conversation or topic. Yes. in our lives. Yes. And yet, depending on who you interact with and encounter, they're going to have a very different way of speaking about those words. Yes. spirit and spirituality. Yes. So, so that that's sort of where this all came from I just want to sit down with people and say and get at what do you mean when you say spirit or spirituality and I think we don't have to go in, in these angles but I just sort of you It's know, a good well, angle well and maybe you have a better angle I don't know but my um, my thinking is as a way to get into that conversation you know maybe talk about what your spiritual timeline is maybe yeah. how you would talk about that yeah, and or um, what are the most or the most um, uh, quote-unquote spiritual experience of your life. Okay, um, good deal. So, yeah,
1: it's happy um, to do it.
0: Yeah, okay. So what do you think? What well, is, I think this? we should get rolling. All right, all right.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I uh, hear in your question... This whole idea of of where do we go with spirituality, what does it mean? It means many different things to people. And as a kid growing up in a kind of evangelical world, it had very specific meanings, which later for me turned a, kind of negative and caused me for a period of time to drop the whole idea of being a Christian. We can get more on that yeah. later. Yeah. Um, but it, because it was a spirit that judges you, all right, mm. and, and not a spirit that enables you or somehow um, helps you become in fullness who you are. Mm -hmm. And I would say, when I look back, and I've had to do spiritual autobiographies during my discernment period and so forth, uh, it's very clear there are absolutely distinct spiritual phases in my life, but that if you look at the trend line, what you're going to find is that redemption and resurrection is the core theme of it all for me.
0: Okay, okay. Redemption and resurrection—so almost like different. Like, would you go as far as saying like almost different lives, lives? I would.
1: Okay. I would. Okay. Yes, I would.
0: Okay. So yeah. So tell tell me about that. I mean, um, yeah. Something okay.
1: Like well, we have to go back a little bit and pick up the historical thread. But um, when I was a kid, my family was extremely. Um, kind of weighted down by grief. I had, I think you know this story, I had an older sister that died the year before I was born Mm -hmm. from a surprise attack of appendicitis, which they did not intervene quickly enough with, and consequently she died when they took her into the hospital. As a a baby? Uh, No, she was five. And she became, quote-unquote, an angel in the eyes of my parents. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So there was always the angel there. Kind of watching over us, and I was being compared to the angel. It's a heavy thing. It is. It was very heavy. It was very heavy.
2: Now,
0: was that, was she the eldest? Yes. Yes. So you became, you were the second child that became the eldest. That's,
1: you've got it right there. With the
0: angel looking over you all. And a
1: lot of dynamics. Yeah. In that whole interaction. Yeah. So, um, and that was at the doctor's direction. They had said to my parents, the best way you're going to get over these feelings of grief is to just have another child and kind of forget about the first one, which Mm. we know is terrible advice, but it's (laughs) advice that people gave (laughs) at that time, and they didn't get over the first one. Um, So, And it was even worsened by the fact that within seconds after I was delivered, I turned blue. And they thought I was going to not make it through the delivery. And it was uh, early indications of a kind of asthmatic problem, which has persisted throughout my life. Mm -hmm. So not only do we have the grief that's already there, but we have a kind of overprotection theme that develops because I'm a kid that they're worried about.
0: Yeah, right off the
1: bat. Right off the bat, yes. So you can see that beginning to take shape. And uh, in the whole process growing up, there was just one picture of my older sister, which was hidden away in a cabinet. And we were instructed never to look at that picture and never take it out and never discuss it. I had a younger sister three years later, and we would sneak into that and look at it. And if my mother saw us doing that, she would burst into tears, which she did a lot. She did a lot, and she would uh, go up to her bedroom and close the door, and she would just say things like, I wish I could die. Mm. So there was this overhang of grief that was present throughout my growing up, plus an overhang of asthma, which made it very difficult for me to do physical things. Right. So consequently, I'm the proverbial kid that when they're picking teams Mm -hmm. during recess... Mm -hmm. There are two of us left at the end. One is a a crippled kid, and one is me. Yeah, yeah. And it's a question who they're going to pick to be on their team. In other words, I just really didn't learn a lot of that stuff from early on, which then what I did develop was an ability to kind of, in some ways, rely on that illness as a way of getting out of tough situations. Now... In that process, we were going, because it was at the end of our street, not because of my parents' conviction, we were going to a church which was called a Bible Presbyterian Church, which you've probably never heard of. But if you were from the Philadelphia area, you would have heard of it. It was a very evangelical Presbyterian church. It had split away from the main Presbyterian church and it was evangelical in every aspect i learned all the different uh, acronyms for calvinism and was taught that predestination was correct and that if it's a you didn't heady
0: heady theology heavy
1: uh, and also with this judgmental theme mm-hmm. so that if you didn't believe in particular ways and have a particular salvation experience mm-hmm. then you weren't going to get to heaven, yeah, and I that mean, was he- heavy emphasized.
0: Though, like intellectual sort of theology.
1: Yes, but not heavy with with bright people, if I can say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Heavy, heavy in a. Um, <clears throat> let me think. It was it was heavy in terms of its multiple layers, mm-hmm. but it was not a thoughtful theology. Okay, if that makes sense yeah, yeah. to you. So I go. And, and am adopted, really, after my father's death. I was 13. He died of a heart attack. So here we have some more grief piling on. Yeah. And this church essentially adopted me. They, they made me one of their own. They looked after me. And for that reason, and I was very grateful for yeah. that. It probably saved me from a lot of stuff. Yeah. Okay. Now, fast forward, I go to a place called Wheaton College, which you may have heard of. It's in Illinois, and it is a very good school, but also very evangelical in its basic roots. And in my class was Billy Graham's daughter. Um, Primary largest group of students were Southern Baptists. And there I'd lost the protection of the church, and I was in the larger evangelical culture. Mm -hmm. And... Thus begins phase two. Now, phase two was affected by the fact that Wheaton is only a train ride away from Chicago. And I was a pretty protected kid.
0: Up to Uh, that point. Yes,
1: heading for the ministry in an evangelical situation.
0: You you felt called to ministry then.
1: I did, yeah. I worked at the church during summers. I preached. My first sermon was on angels. Ah. Every single one of my relatives came um, Billy Graham had recently published a book about angels which I referred to in the sermon neighbors came That's
0: interesting with the time with the sister Yeah angel
1: Yeah that's right I never thought about that Yeah that's a good thought
0: I'm still back there
1: You're back there Yeah like
0: on like how did that this idea that that you have the oldest sibling yeah. around and looking over you as this angel like how that had to impact your sense of spirituality it's got to be something well it did to talk about it
1: did yeah, yeah yeah no I'm glad to talk about it and it, it, it affected me in a number of ways and it was interesting i I'll fast forward to when I was in seminary and went to a CPE interview at a hospital in Connecticut it's so really good CPE, CPE yeah. clinical pastoral education. It's part of getting you get thrown your... thrown into being a
0: chaplain, basically. For, that's right. For the summer. Before, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: And it was required as a part of the right. Masters in Divinity. So I'm interviewed by them, and they said, have you ever made friends with your sister who died? Which was the first time, even though I was probably then in my 40s, mm-hmm. the first time I'd ever thought about the fact that I could have and did have already a relationship with this sister that I needed to come to terms with. Yeah. Okay? So that tells you a little bit of what it was like. She was in, hovering in the background, but I wasn't very clear about it.
0: Yeah, it like, sounds like you were given parameters for what that relationship could be like through your parents' directives. That's right. But you never... Engaged that relationship on your own level.
1: We couldn't talk about it. Right. We couldn't have any interaction at all about what it was like for yeah. them to lose her. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a it was a dead end street. Right. Right. The other aspect of it was that they didn't cut my hair until three and a half or four years old. I had this long blonde curly hair, oh. which was nice, I guess. Yeah. But. <laughs> It also caused people to think I was a little girl. Uh So they would say, oh, you had the most beautiful little girl. Mm -hmm. And they would say, no, that's a little boy. But I think in some ways they were trying to replicate their experience with my sister.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And that, that was another dominant impact. Yeah. So what do you want to ask about that? Anything else? I, what, don't, you?
0: I, I don't think so. I just, like I said, I'm, I'm just naming. Again, I, yeah. I didn't expect that that would even be easy to articulate, but that makes total sense that, um, yeah, in my own words, that, you know, it's like your your parents spoke about this sibling and they you were told you have this angel that's around. Yes. It, that almost felt to me like it was a uh, potentially, not punitive, but a, like... Like Santa Claus, like watch out, or the God that's look, watching over you, looking out, like watch out, your yeah. sisters,
1: she's up there, yeah, yeah, watching, yeah. You
0: know. But but you couldn't go any further than that. Until I could you got not. To seminary when someone said, "Hey,"
1: and that's a that's a long time later. Yeah, right. Yeah. There was another piece of it that was fascinating, and that mm-hmm. was that they, in their deification of her, and I think during that period of time, people did often think that young children that died. Became angels mm-hmm. it was not yeah. just their view. Right. Um, they developed this notion that she was brilliant, mm-hmm. and that she—they told them. I don't know if this is true, but when they went to register her for kindergarten, that she was smart enough to teach the class it seems very unreasonable, <laughs> yeah, right. unlikely. Right. So therefore, that was transformed mm-hmm. onto me. And my father particularly developed this notion that I was an extraordinarily brilliant kid,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which You're I' a smart guy. Yeah, but I'm not, I'm not up there in that <laughs> group that joins a special club. Oh, okay. you know? yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: In fact, in my testing for psychological testing for the priesthood, the psychologist said, "You're really fortunate because your IQ is high." but it's not so high that you won't be able to relate to your practitioners, which is really kind of a weird compliment.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Boy, I mean, that's a whole other subject, but that's pretty, yeah. pretty insightful of that person, though, because I feel like in the church we, we probably have a lot of that problem. We do, yes. yes people who are
1: somewhere else yeah, yeah. In, in the stratosphere. Right. Yeah, so um, this notion of being brilliant was not borne out by actuality. Um, if I'm going into too much detail, just pull the cord. Um, um, My father wanted me to go to a Quaker school Mm -hmm. in Atlantic City. They have a lot of Quaker schools back in the Philadelphia area, and they're very good academically. And I went up for testing. They had a scholarship that they were offering. Mm -hmm. And I didn't get the scholarship, and that didn't compute for my father or for me with having this extraordinarily brilliant kid, yeah. like his angel sister. Mm-hmm. So there was always a tension around that and a belief that I developed that somehow I was going to disappoint people intellectually. Okay. Which is funny. is that Those kind of things stick with you, even though you have therapy and spiritual direction and you come to see them for yeah. what they really are, they still have a little voice that goes yeah with you
0: and it it it, that sounds to me like one of these things that we all have in our own ways where it's the thing that weighs you down yes but it also is the thing that drives you yes Mm -hmm.
1: yes so it's an odd combination of forces when you think about it um And whenever my father would introduce me to anybody, they would say, oh, you're this really extraordinarily brilliant kid that your father talks about all the time. And I would think, no, I'm not. I'm not that extremely brilliant brilliant kid. So there are ways that that manifested itself through the years. um, And that that was part of the growing up.
0: Okay. Yeah. So do you think, I mean... I'm, what I'm sort of hearing in this, I could be totally off, but mm-hmm. do you think in terms of, of your relationship with this thing we call spirit and spirituality, mm-hmm. God, do you think that those – that mm, relationship, for lack of a better right. term, that you had with this angel sister, right, whoever right. your parents told you, you had to have that, your awareness of this person, and then also that those parental expectations that yeah. were being – projected onto you, did that, Did you think those things then bled over to your idea of or understanding of, of what spirit was? Yeah. Do you think your experience of, of spirit, of spirituality, was this entity that had these high expectations of you, was watching you?
1: Yes. Well, and, and also in an evangelical setting, the spirit does that. You know, the Spirit convicts you, particularly in Calvinistic theology, the Spirit convicts you of your error, of your sin. And I was taught that when you thought about doing something wrong and then did it, you Mm -hmm. were committing two sins. One was the sin of thinking about it, of having it occur to you, Mm -hmm. and the other was the sin of actually doing it. And you would be piling on all these sins, so you need to be really, really careful. Wow. Yeah. But I clamped onto that stuff mm-hmm. because this was my support community. Right. And You're I just think reinforcing. that a lot of people come out of that oh, yeah. life experience where these these churches were their extended families. Yeah. And then they get to the point where they begin to feel like the judging is hurtful to them,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and they drop out of any kind of yeah. Religious organization, although they would claim that they're still very spiritual right exactly, yeah,
0: right. reject all that, yeah, and and you and I have had many conversations about that, just the most common spiritual issue you see in people is dealing with that baggage, yes, yeah,
1: yeah, and I still see it all the time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I see it all the time
0: so okay, so you've got this um in your timeline, you know, right. so you've got this this. Again, I'll just use that term, the spiritually heavy kind of you know, idea of, of what God is, of what spirituality is. Right. Um, the convicting, the pushing you to be better, right. the judging if you make a mistake. So what? where does that sort of go? I, you. you now, you sort of yeah. talked a little bit about Chicago. Like, it, does that configure into yeah, your journey? Time. In that, you know, I, I know you well enough uh, to know that, I think that that was probably a. As you alluded to, you were so sheltered and protected right. that was a, a a. A life, of its own. Yes. Uh, where you probably really bucked the system and went free and. Yeah, I did. I did. And mm-hmm. it's gonna be. It would be interesting to hear then if you do buck the system and go free, internally, spiritually, how you reconcile. Well,
1: this is a fascinating kind of experience. And again, I think a lot of people have this. Uh When you buck the system, in my experience, in an evangelical culture, and I think there are a lot of positive things about the evangelical world, so I don't want to come off sounding like I'm judgmental of that entirely. But when you buck the system, there is a very clear outcome and that is that you tend to get ejected outside the boundaries of the community. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: All right, the community is very embracing if you are going along with the system and the rules thereof, but if you stray out of that, Mm -hmm. then the community has to find a way to deal with you, either to bring you back or to send you away. Mm -hmm. So keep that in mind as I discover that there is a... Chicago. Yeah. All right.
0: What a good town. Yes.
1: So I'm at Wheaton, and I'm I'm really feeling kind of lost in many respects. I don't think I understood why, but I was. Mm -hmm. And I would say in my sophomore year, I discovered there was this whole world out there of excitement and forbidden things, Mm -hmm. which I found that I was... I was drawn towards, and so I would hitchhike into Chicago and stay there overnight, and I had a roommate, a really cool guy, who, they, who when they tried to figure out if I was in my bed, because our house parents were missionaries, mm-hmm. and they would come and do bed checks, because the word yeah. started to get out yeah. that I was coming back at 5.30 or 6 in the morning.
0: Not a typical college experience in that.
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, he would put pillows under my my covers, and he would say, um, "He's asleep.
2: Yeah,
1: let's, let's be quiet because we don't want to wake him up. He's had a hard day," and that worked very well. Yeah. Uh, until he dropped out of school, and and he and I both were dating African American women, which yeah. at that period of time was quite. Unusual, yeah, was, yeah. yeah yeah, um, and he eventually married that woman, and they've stayed together their whole lives, mm-hmm. and um I went on to marry somebody else, but yeah, yeah. we had a really this good is time
0: what, what time period
1: so we're talking because eventually they caught on at Wheaton mm-hmm. that I was away so much, and they had all sorts of rules about. What time girls had to be back into the dorm, but mm-hmm. not about what time boys had to be there. So they were a little bewildered by how to deal with this. Mm-hmm. And so, what they did is uh, catch me on the fact that I had more chapel absences and lateness than was acceptable. You had mm-hmm. to go to chapel every day. Okay. And so, they gave me the alternative in my senior year of either leaving, withdrawing, I'd get a partial tuition refund, or they were going to kick me out. Mm-hmm. Now I saw that coming, so that I, I knew I was pushing the limits yeah. for a couple of years, and um, I don't I don't blame them for being who they were. They were very clear with me. They gave me a lot of chances along the way.
2: Yeah.
1: So uh, I leave Wheaton College before graduation. And now can I
0: clarify so? Yeah, the young lady you were dating—was she from Chicago or was she? Thinking? She
1: was very much from Chicago. Okay, right, yeah, she yeah. was a holiness from a holiness family in Chicago. She used to sing in her church. Got it. Okay. really very attractive woman. Mm-hmm. Although Peg, if you're listening to this, <laughs> Peg is my wife. You're much more attractive <laughs> than she was. Oh, <laughs> lady, Peg. Yeah. yeah, but we <laughs> dated for for a period of years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, okay. the three of us. I just
0: didn't wasn't sure of the dynamics if it was like city girlfriend versus. If she was at Wheaton too, I wouldn't.
1: She would you. never got have been at right, Wheaton, got, got, nor would my roommate, Mickey's wife, been it. at Wheaton. They were from other worlds. Yeah. yeah. Um, so. And this
0: is what, 60s?
1: Yes. Okay. Which is not insignificant. Yeah because in Chicago you've got all of this stuff going on relative to protests and relative to in 68 the Democratic National Convention. Uh-huh. So I go to Chicago. I go and live in Chicago and get a job in the war and poverty. And at this point I'm done with Christianity. I'm really truly done with it. Yeah. Because it's Christianity to me was was signified by what Wheaton College was like, okay. and that judgmental experience.
0: And so, let me ask, yeah. did that also mean you were done with spirituality? Was, was, were, were, was, Good was there was quote spiritual in your life at that time?
1: Well, I think I equated spirituality with evangelical Christianity right. in my own thinking. Yeah. You know, I, I don't think I was clear enough... Far enough along mm-hmm. to differentiate between the two until much later.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: All right. So for me, it was the whole deal.
0: Yeah.
1: I was I was dumping the whole deal. Yeah. But there's a poem, forget the author's name, um, called "The Hound of Heaven," mm-hmm. which is about how you can give up on God or you can attempt to give up on God, but God does not go along with you. Okay. He continues to pursue you out of his love for you. And that is exactly what my experience during the Chicago phase was. Mm-hmm. Sunday morning would come, I would say, I'm not, I'm not going anywhere to church, yeah. oh. which I'd been in church five times a week up to that point. Yeah. And this voice would say, you're not going to be happy if you don't go to church. Now, in retrospect, that was the spirit hanging on to me mm. by a thread. Mm. So I joined the Fourth Presbyterian Church in downtown Chicago, which is a beautiful, incredible church along Michigan Avenue, and and went to that church and really was, was fed by that. So it never worked, is my point. I never could reject the package.
0: Okay, now say that line again. That you heard this voice saying.
1: I heard this voice saying, you're not going to be happy if you don't happy. go and okay. worship. Okay.
0: So it wasn't a, a, a guilt thing. No, yeah, no, yeah. no, no. Which I think is significant. Because if you were to say, if it were more tinged with guilt, I think one could easily say that that's just the voice of your parents and the angel. Echoing. And all that. You know, yeah, yeah. Still coming through. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No. So I mean, I think that's really significant that your experience of whatever that voice was was not a judging.
1: No, it wasn't a judging. It was actually a very kind, Mm -hmm. loving voice, Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. is part of why it was hard to resist. Mm -hmm. Um, And you know, it was a uh, it was a beautiful church, and the people who went there were quite interesting, and so I was I was drawn to it. Mm -hmm. Now, part of the history here, i go back just a second, is that my father, because of the depression, had to drop out of law school. Mm-hmm. He was a very bright man, but never was able to do professional work.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Consequently, I was to fulfill his dream of being a lawyer okay. or something like that. Okay. And he was very drawn to classes that were um, higher classes than we were in. Mm-hmm. So I went to the Fourth Presbyterian Church, and it was quite classy, and so that is part of what kept me going. But it was also interesting, because I'm in a membership, I'll give you an example, I was in a membership class, there was this older woman uh, who would ask me to take her home to her high-rise, and told me about how she had had affairs with the monkeys. The singing group, the monkeys. Oh,
0: okay. Singing group, the monkeys. Not monkeys. This just took a turn. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yes. All right, yes, yes hey, the, hey, monkeys. the monkeys. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, hey, yeah. hey, we're the monkeys, right. With more than one monkey. we were four monkeys. Yeah, but she had an affair
1: with more than one of them? Mm, wasn't too clear on that. Oh. Um, anyway, yeah. she was angling to have an affair with me. Ah. So she kept saying, oh, come on upstairs. You don't need to just park your car. I have a parking space. Come on upstairs. Yeah. I thought, this is kind of cool. Never had this experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Flattered. Yeah. yeah. I didn't go. Yeah. But I also sort of found, you know, here's this tentilating world. It's the big city with all sorts of stuff that going presence. on. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, well, and, that's, and that was interesting to me, too. I mean, I don't want to put, uh, maybe I'm jumping the gun here, but like. Mm, jump away. I sort of, I felt like you could have taken, you know, so I, so I ask, um, did you reject, in rejecting the church at that time, did you reject spirituality? And, and your answer was, was yes, but I, I felt like another angle that it could have taken, yeah. you know, I, I guess I'm asking if this is if, uh, real at all, is that those, in some way, I think people in, in a moment like that could see the big city the adventure, the new experiences, right. the experimentation with whatever as being spiritual in and of itself.
1: Yes, although I would not have seen it that way okay. because okay. I would have dichotomized it. Okay, okay. That's, I would have seen it as as the sinful alternative that I was no longer going to push against, right? At the time. At the time, Yeah, that's correct. And I would have not seen the way that God was using that
0: Yeah.
1: later. I did, but I would not have seen it at the time.
0: Okay, okay, good.
1: Yeah, so I was really into adventure, very, very much into adventure during that period. And my mother said, you know, the insurance money is gone, so to finish college, uh, you're going to have to do it on your own. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good. And I um, went to a place called Roosevelt University, which was a downtown school in Chicago. We'd get up at 6 in the morning, go and take Spanish, work all day in the west side of Chicago in the war and poverty because social work Kind of, be, and social justice became my substitute for ministry, mm-hmm. and then go back and take classes at night and finish there. Did really, really well,
0: and drove a taxi cab
1: in Chicago yeah. Yeah. to kind of help support this effort.
0: So social justice became the substitute for ministry.
1: Yeah, it did. Mm-hmm. It did, and it became, in a sense, a much more meaningful substitute because. On the west side of Chicago, I discovered things I'd never seen before in my life yeah. in the projects.
2: Yeah,
1: um, I remember one day knocking on a door to as I was going through neighborhoods and these people letting me in, which they did. The people were kind; they let me, they would let me into their, their lives. And they had two twins who were severely autistic, who had never been outside. Whoa. Now, most of the African-American population was from Mississippi or Louisiana, and the big city had, was a tough place yeah. for them, and they were afraid the kids were going to be taken away. Different world. Yeah, so yeah. I became very, very involved <laughs> in the life of extremely poor people, <laughs> um, and particularly with Spanish-speaking people, <laughs> uh, Puerto Ricans from from a little bit further north. In fact, became the godfather of several Puerto Rican children. And um, they used to hang out the window and see me when I came. And I'd bought a little sports car. um, So I would come driving up in my sports car. So you get the feel. You know, it's just just a whole new world of stuff Mm -hmm. that, to me, was liberating, exciting, and entirely unpredictable.
2: Yeah. Yeah,
0: and that had to color this whole experience. Eventually, it sounded like you were saying later yes. you look back on these experiences and see that as sort of God, yes, leading you or Spirit leading
1: you. Yeah. Well, I think there was liberation mm-hmm. that I was experiencing, and uh, liberation in a way that there were times when I could have gotten into difficult straits. Mm-hmm. And I remember once being in a situation that was risky. Mm-hmm. And I heard a voice, which I identified in my own head as my father's voice, mm-hmm. saying, Leave. Now, I can't prove to you right. that it was my father's voice, but I've had a number of spiritual experiences where there's a degree of certainty
2: mm-hmm.
1: that comes internally. Mm-hmm. I can't prove it mm-hmm. to you externally. Mm-hmm. And I left, and it turned out that there was a, a real difficult situation that
0: occurred there. Huh. Now that gets me, I mean, I don't, I don't want to sidetrack us, but the, the, that goes into a side of, of my thinking and conversations around yeah. spirituality that is what the most fascinating for me. I'm convinced, mm-hmm. you know, as I hear people's stories, mm-hmm. I've sort of become convinced over the years that, for whatever reason, people um, have – there's, like, different categories for how God or spirit speaks to, for the lack of a better word, yeah, people. Yeah. And, and so you named, like, auditory. Yes. And, for, and so I, I – I don't know if you've ever seen this, but I see that there are people in this world who, like, it's always auditory for them. Yes. Or it's always gut for them. Yes. Or it's always coincidence for them. Yes. Or it's and and, and there's like these different categories. Yes. Which fascinates me. So would you say have most of your spiritual quote unquote experiences been sort of like auditory?
1: Auditory and relational. Okay. Yeah. That's fascinating to me. In the sense Mm -hmm. that and that's how I view the way the spirit and I work together mm-hmm. um, because the spirit will reveal things to me at a certain point and at points before the revelation I have learned I need to be quiet and wait and will be revealed and it is revealed at a time now I know this is jumping way ahead but but many things are revealed by the spirit at a time when I'm able to integrate them
0: you have to hear them or receive them that's right Yeah. that's
1: yeah. right and maybe the up?
0: can you just back up and say what you said again
1: yeah that that the spirit and i are in a relationship mm-hmm. together and that the spirit speaks to me in terms of certain kind of revelations and and suggestions and direction but i sometimes have to wait for that so yeah. i might have a challenge that i'm facing and i'm eager to get an answer mm-hmm. to work it out mm-hmm. But the answer doesn't come for a while. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. comes when I believe, the Spirit believes I'm ready to hear the okay. answer. Okay. Good. Okay. Yeah, so...
0: Uh, that's a, there's a lot of meat there. That's good, that's good. Um, okay. Well, so... And you've named some of those, I feel like, yeah. already. Yeah. So, okay, so what next? So, you, so you're having... These adventures, yeah, these completely new experiences in Chicago right. and other places, and right. and you are experiencing that as like sort of bucking your background in, in religion and spirituality. I'm free now, you know. But but it yeah. sounds like in retrospect that is spirit sort of guiding you.
1: Well, and protecting. That mm-hmm. was the other piece of it. I'll give you
0: part. Right, is an, an example of that. Yeah. You, you heard it as your father, but that was... That was... That, that's an example of protecting. Yes. Yeah. And another
1: example would be, there were some dangerous situations I got involved in driving a cab.
0: Oh, yeah, I
1: bet. I remember uh, one night around Grant Park, picking up, this guy was hailing a cab, and I picked him up, and he said, hang on a minute, and he went and, and dragged out a really bloody, he was a big guy, call him the bloody little guy, <laughs> from the... <laughs> From the bushes, and he brings them over, and they give me this address way on the south side Mm -hmm. of Chicago. So I take them, and we get to the little guy's house, and the big guy gets out, and the little guy says, Run for your life, he's gonna kill you. To you? To me, the cab driver, yeah. Run for your life. And all I could think of was, this is a thirty dollar fare. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to lose this fare. You know, but I, but it's bravado, yeah. right? Yeah. Because the the only smart thing would have been to leave. Of course. So I wait, and the dude comes back <laughs> down.
0: The big guy.
1: The big guy. Yeah. He comes back down and he gets into the cab and he says, "Take me to the nearest underpass, <laughs> way on the south side of Chicago, oh. in an area nobody would look for me." And I thought, this is it, man. I'm this is the yeah, end. Yeah. I was really stupid. Anyway, I took him to the nearest underpass. He paid the fare, got out and ran away. He didn't tip wow, me. Interesting. He did not tip me, yeah. which I thought was rude. What a bastard. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: what? Okay. Alright, so
1: but I look back, that the, my idea there was the protection element. Yeah. Yeah. That that there were times, no question, yeah. hands down, that I believed that God was protecting me from my own mm-hmm. kind of sense of fascination with the unknown and the risky and all that.
0: Yeah. Wow, boy, and that just what the hell was going on there? Like, you want to know that story, right? Like, what was going on between these two guys? And what, you know? Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. Well,
1: and you know, I have no idea. Yeah, they right. didn't talk to each other in the backseat. All I know is I imagined that the big guy went back to the little guy's house because the underpass was not far. And I thought, wow, there's some ending I'll never know to that story.
2: Yeah.
0: How Weird. Like, why not just stay at the guy's house and then tell you to go? Take you to the underpass and leave you anyway.
1: Yeah. Weird. But still paid the fare. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay.
0: That, that's, so that's sort of neither here nor there, but it, what occurs to me is like in moments like that, you said bravado, but it's like, I think also part of the angle there is, you know, coming from a background like yours. I mean, I, I have felt like this many times when I look mm-hmm. back um, at things I did when I was in Spain or Bolivia mm-hmm. or whatever mm-hmm. that... I grew up in in such a, and, and I was a wild kid. I mean, I had lots of experiences, yeah. but I still, it, West Knoxville is very safe and sheltered. Yeah. and um, so part of it I think is that is like you, I couldn't even imagine. Well, I that think that it would be that bad. Yeah, you know, it yeah, would be and, that dangerous.
1: And and <clears throat> I don't think probably I could either. Yeah. In the full sense of the word right. until I could retrospectively look back on this yeah, and then period. You're like, wow, I could have died. Yeah, right yeah. Right.
0: Yeah, I got some moments like that. Yeah.
1: You well, know, in fact you've you've preached about one of them, at least with a friend in Bolivia where as I remember a young child called a guy to come over yeah. in a in an area that was dangerous yeah. and protected him in some way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Crazy stuff, yeah. Well, mine are just mine are not as entertaining as that story, but just just stupid stuff of even like walking down. It has nothing to do with what we're talking about now, but walking down, um, walking in Madrid, home yeah. from a bar at three in the morning by myself for miles. You know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Why would you? Why would you do that? Yes, but it, right. Uh, yeah. So okay, so you, you Chicago, all that. Anything else there? Um, and, and then Well, were able to go one to the next other step. thing, yeah.
1: and that is that here's where God's coming in again, in in my view. Um, I got straight A's at Roosevelt. Mm-hmm. I had not gotten straight A's at Wheaton, mm-hmm. except in sociology and courses like that. Mm-hmm. And so um, when I graduated from Roosevelt, I applied to the University of Chicago to get a master's degree mm-hmm. in social work. They only took the Roosevelt grades. and admitted me with a complete scholarship for two years. Totally paid for. So when I look back on that and I think, okay, and this is something that I've talked about with many people. um, Things that we think of as disastrous or negative in their their impact Mm -hmm. in some ways may show aspects of God's redemption Mm -hmm. and so i would have never probably even gotten into the university of chicago with wheaton grades
2: yeah
1: and certainly not gotten a complete scholarship
2: yeah
1: yeah
0: yeah that's yeah that's for sure yeah and again what a beautiful um uh, counter i guess Mm -hmm. to in your experience of that which again sounds like it was much more you know retrospective. Yes. But what a beautiful counter to the original image of spirit god. Yes. that, that you were raised yes.
1: with. Yes, so it's evolving. Yeah. yeah. The the image is evolving. Yeah. In a way I don't know that I could fully put into words, right. but I knew it was evolving mm-hmm. and and one of the ways I knew it is that every time I went into a bookstore, I would always go to the section on spirituality and religion and so forth. Mm -hmm. Even when I was studying other things Mm -hmm. and I went in to look for something in the area I was studying, that was always where I was drawn. Yeah. 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 Cool.
0: Okay. All right. (coughs) So there's Chicago. Yeah.
1: And then go to the University of Chicago, and that's where I meet my wife, Mm -hmm. who is... um, been an incredibly, who you know, been incredibly stabilizing in my life mm-hmm. and is really wise. She's smart, but she's also very, very wise. Solid human
0: being, for sure. Yes. Yeah.
1: And so she saw some of the stuff that was going on in my life and she called it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll give you an example. The doctor you hate had. When people call it. Well, and they're right. Yeah. <laughs> Particularly when they're right, right? <laughs> but again, this is, I think, God coming into the picture through the presence of another person. Yeah. During the time in Chicago, a doctor had, for weight control, had given me dexedrine, which is an amphetamine, and I took that, and it really gave me energy to go 24 hours a day with everything that I was doing. And eventually I ran out of sources to get that because the doctor said you have to stop. But I thought, well, I can't do what I'm doing without that, which was a falsehood.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I, this will seem strange to many people, but my mother was taking that, and so she got some for me. She kept the supply route going. Okay. You may want to edit this out, no. you may not. <laughs> no. So um, we're driving back from New Jersey where my mother lived. We would visited her, and Peg was with me. And we get to Lancaster, Pennsylvania, which is very purposeful because she's not going to tell me this until we get too far out to go back. Ah. And she said, I told your mother to stop doing that, and I gave her the pills back. Ah. And so this is the end of your pills.
2: Yeah. Ouch.
1: Yeah. yeah. But she was right. Yeah, yeah. How did you react to that? I was kind of pissed, but I knew on some level... That she was absolutely right, yeah, and that I needed to challenge the belief that I had to have this substance Mm -hmm. in order to be able to be smart Mm -hmm. and productive. Mm -hmm. I didn't.
0: Yeah, but strong. I mean, man, forces like that in life are so strong. It's dependency in in any. It takes on many shapes and forms. Yeah, it does. Right.
1: Plus, it's all part of the exciting '60s.
0: Yeah, there's that piece of it, um, I would assume, um, but also, I don't know. I guess the angle I see is like, uh, in some way, it's our consciousness um, uh, continually trying to tell us that we're not worthy.
1: Right we yep. can't do it. Yeah, we're not worthy. Yeah. yeah, that's good. Because I think that's really true. Yeah.
2: Huh.
1: Really true.
0: Um okay. Um Now that was okay. So Chicago to there is what?
1: Well, we got married in 1970. So that was the the end of the era of the 60s. Mm-hmm. Um and moving on into another Phase of life, yeah, essentially,
0: yeah, okay, all right. So, so that's sort of like adventure, bucking, spirituality phase, right? Yes. Until you meet Peg, and sort and, and that sort of sounds like you're saying that sort of was like the cap, the end. Yes,
1: like. but in in another way, it wasn't. And I think she'd be okay with my sharing this that she had been previously married, mm-hmm. and her, her father was a Methodist minister. Uh-huh who believe that when you're married, you should never get divorced. So um, she was very unhappy with her husband, and she left him. Mm -hmm. And we hooked up and got together, and um, that was quite negative for her Mm -hmm. family Mm -hmm. and for my family as well. So I was still bucking the system. Okay. And um, we scraped together some money for my family for her to get a divorce in Mexico. Mm -hmm. which she went down to Juarez... (laughs) <laughs> Didn't understand anything that was going on in Spanish. It yeah. was like a whole plane full of people that used to go down to Juarez to get their divorces. How can
0: you get divorced in another country and it be legal here?
1: Um, I suspect that they have reciprocal arrangements huh. where the U.S. never observes heard. Mexico rules. Interesting. But it was a thriving business at yeah, that yeah, time. Yeah. Yeah. So.
0: Was it just um, financially? Made more sense to do it that way. No, you couldn't do, do it here? then
1: unless you went through all this process here. of here okay. of proving guilt and somebody has to do have done something wrong. Oh, you
0: couldn't just do it the way we do it now, where it's just like, that's yeah, correct. Like divorced. That's right. Okay. You okay.
1: can just tear it up. <laughs> okay. Where in Mexico they could got it care less got it. Okay. about okay. all that.
0: All right. Well, yeah, and then and you all may have I would suspect may have matched on the bucking the.
1: And I think we did, yeah, yes, you're right about that, um,
0: bucking religion, bucking spirituality,
1: because she came out of this background where kids were not allowed to dance, and yeah, yeah, I mean, uh-huh. in Tennessee, East Tennessee, yeah, growing up, no dance, that was her heart. Yeah, yeah, you know about all that, so um, yeah, she was bucking hers as well, so however it worked, it's worked beautifully, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we were that, kind. Of... It,
0: that just makes it even um, more hilarious. So I know your story in terms of like when you ended up feeling called to ministry, right? But like that was not she was like, "What the hell," you know? But right, that background stuff makes it even more funny now. <laughs> <laughs> wow.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was funny when I first came home and told her that I had had. Um... Decided to follow this, and I needed her support. And she said, you're you're messing with me. You're joking. <laughs> we're not going to do this. I didn't marry somebody who was going to be a minister. Yeah. Yeah. And she had had a lot of negative experiences which had been reflected in the church mm-hmm. in people that I've worked with. Mm-hmm. And that is that uh, there were folks. Her mother made all their own clothes because um, they didn't have a lot of money. And people would... Judge her how she looked. They would talk about the clothes not looking very good on her in the church. In the church, oh. yeah, it was, it was a certain there is the a certain kid. amount of cruelty that can wow. happen in the church, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Now it's but better you're now. pastor's kid, which is weird. Yes, you would think they would be protected. No, yeah? no,
1: under a microscope. That was her experience uh, under an intense I get microscope. I
0: get that? So okay, well, so okay, <laughs> so weird. Chicago adventure bucking system Peg, still bucking right spirituality and then where do you go uh, then I go you're married where are you academically at that point you're
1: doing your I have a master's degree and I'm doing clinical work and um in a sense that was still a substitute for ministry
0: uh-huh and and would you say it was spirituality for you
1: Hugely. I mean, these were the first job I had was in a residential facility for severely emotionally disturbed kids. And I could only manage to work there a year. It was really hard. But these were kids whose lives had been torpedoed. I mean, they had been literally wrecked Mm -hmm. and they had no support systems. And so all of this starts to move you towards the notion of calling.
0: Okay. Before we get there, can yeah. you I, and you may not be able to articulate this, which is fine. This is a hard question, but how, how, in that example of working with these kids, yeah, what's spiritual about that? Why is that spiritual?
1: Well, to me, when someone has been harmed and is really vulnerable and damaged. And there's a way that we can connect with that person. Mm-hmm. The way I would describe it now is that it is the Spirit working through us, right? Yeah. And, and trying in some way to provide a lifeline to some of those kids.
0: Mm-hmm. So to put it in, um, I mean, this is like sort of very base level, uh, yeah. cliche sort of terms it's it, it's sort of like saying when we have opportunity to to love right into situations of such depravity and darkness right that we really encounter sort of God in those in, in those places
1: yes uh-huh. yes yeah i I remember going back to the west side of Chicago, I would work with people in the projects and um they were very. Concerned about me, even though I was the one there theoretically helping them. So they would meet me where I parked mm-hmm. at the time I parked, so that when I walked through the project, I mm-hmm. was not in danger. Mm-hmm. There are all sorts of ways that the people that we work with communicate God to us, mm-hmm. as well as we to them. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the places where I learned that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I mean, echoes of that in my. Experiences and mission work and and yeah, yeah, certainly.
1: In fact, sometimes more, I think, sometimes we derive more than we're giving, right?
0: Which is a we, I mean, this may be a rabbit trail we don't need to go down, but like that begs the question of like, do we in a spiritual journey on a spiritual path, must one? dive into the darkness yeah right yeah which is sort of death and resurrection imagery yes right, well i
1: happen to believe that at some point yeah most of us will need to do that yeah yeah
0: i know i agree because you that can I've sidestep that, that but, but, oh, but. i not like saying it
1: <laughs> no it's 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 painful as well as liberating right yeah yeah Okay,
0: yeah, so all right, so wrapping so you well, what else do you want to say, so going from there, do you want to round it out, or where do you want to yeah, go from yeah,
1: there? well, going from there, I went to work in a child psychiatry department, doing psychotherapy with kids and families, mm-hmm. and um and loved it, loved the connectivity mm-hmm. of that, and um worked with kids that other people hadn't seemed to be able to reach. Mm-hmm. I'll give you an example. There was a kid who called me one day, and this would be highly critiqued currently by mental health professionals. Yeah. So everybody who might be listening to this, I'm not suggesting you do this. Right, right, right. So this, this kid who really trusted me um, called me one day and said, I have a rifle loaded and I have it pointed at a schoolyard. In Evanston, and I need you to come and get this rifle. And if you, if you divulge where I am, Mm -hmm. I'll start shooting. Mm -hmm. If anybody else comes, I'll start shooting. Mm -hmm. Well, there are protocols for something like that, but I went. Yeah, I went, got the rifle, and we kept it in our freezer for two and a half years. (laughs) Okay, so you know, I have I have thanked. God many times for the ability to connect with people who are suffering Mm -hmm. in any one of a variety of ways. Mm -hmm. And I think from my own therapeutic work, what I've learned is that my early stuff that we've talked about Mm -hmm. has been redeemed Mm -hmm. and has given me an ability to connect in a way that people can trust me. Mm usually mm-hmm. so this is what i meant by the theme of redemption and resurrection
0: yeah no that's really good and and that goes back into sort of like the the, the darkness was necessary yeah. and yeah. was being used right yes in order to make you that person that can yes have such a gift right, yes yes to relate to it also brings up imagery for me of like um well, as you said, the hound of heaven, right? Like, God, like God meeting you there. I mean, it's incarnational. It's right. God coming into the darkness, into the situation. Absolutely, right, and walking with,
1: or maybe even being there already before you're coming into it, right?
0: You right. know, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's beautiful. So, um, okay, so you know, so from there, and I, I mean, and and there's, I, I know you're talking about like. We could hang out in any of these moments and talk about about them. So we could, you know, I don't know where your energy is or where you want to go next, but uh, that's a life, right? Right. What, what happens there? I mean, do you, would you, is there another chapter you would go into there or do you go from there? really?
1: Yeah. Well, I think that there was a natural evolution Mm -hmm. in that, um, a private practice of psychotherapy, getting a doctorate in social work mm-hmm. at the University of Alabama, which was one weird shift from Chicago. Got that? Yeah. Um,
0: Jesus left Chicago. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, stories about that. Um, but, but what I would say is to fast forward a little bit to when Peg and I were teaching at Indiana University in Indianapolis. We both were on the faculty at the School of Social Work there, <clears throat> and I had a sabbatical coming. So I went over to the, a place called the Damien Center. You've probably heard me talk about this. It was named after Father Damien, who was a Roman Catholic missionary on the island of Molokai, which where there was a leper colony. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I um, went over there to help with a statewide funding project because Indiana was sending all its HIV money back without developing any services. So they asked me to, which is not unusual at that point, so they asked me to come over and try and help with that through this community organization, and I did. And what happened there, I also led a support group for about seven years of HIV positive people Mm -hmm. and their partners, and probably went to 100 funerals, Mm -hmm. because that was a period of time when HIV positive people there were very few treatments, if any. Right. And I knew, in the way you know, that I was not going to be able to truthfully go back to the university ever.
0: Oh, from those experiences?
1: From those experiences. That there was, and here again, I think it was the presence of the Spirit sitting with those guys week after week after week. Mm-hmm. And talking about young death mostly, yeah. that all those committee meetings at the university and all yeah. of that stuff yeah. was just not going to be fulfilling. Yeah, it, how are you going go to go back to the tower when you've been Not in, my calling. Real. So I um, went on leave to work at the state health department to get their funding lined up, and it worked very, very well. But it, that was when I had my call to the priesthood. Mm-hmm. That was my initial call. The center was run by the Episcopal Church. It was the only church in the city that would touch it.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: None of the other churches would be involved at that point. And there was a priest there, since deceased, who gave me a prayer book, which I thought was one of the oddest gifts I'd ever received. With my name engraved on the front. I had no idea what this was. Such
0: an Episcopal move.
1: Yeah, and I'd never been in an Episcopal (laughs) church before. My parents saw that as quasi Catholicism, and were yeah, heathen, yeah. Right. <clears throat> so he, every week, would say, well, this is the church I think it would be good for you to visit this week, and then on Monday or Tuesday he'd say, did you go there? How did you like it? And I thought, well, this is really a good guy, so I'm going to kind of work along with this. And in that experience, at the Damien Center, I discovered the Episcopal Church. And in discovering the Episcopal Church, I, I before too long, discovered my vocational call back into ministry. So we've got a circle here that covers all those years that we've been talking about. Mm -hmm. It's the same call, but it's refined and reshaped. Yeah. Yeah. Which was
0: cool. Yeah. Really cool. Um, I'm trying to tie all that together. I
2: mean,
0: (laughs) no, it's, it's beautiful, but it's, it's profound. Um, Uh A circle, of this journey of, and I, and, I, and I'm assuming, so don't let me put these words in here if they're not if they don't click. But like, I, I assume part of that circle, part of that journey, and then finding the Episcopal Church mm-hmm. was also a shift, a paradigm shift of, yes. You know, so, so you start with this like judging right, spirit God whatever spirituality right. critical, and then you you buck that. Right and, and and you walk in the darkness and really find love there, find God there, right? And yeah, then sort of through that darkness, then and then you find this other sort of flavor yes. of religion that um, that is quite different from the
1: incredibly one, the different
0: one that you that you were brought up in. Incredibly different, and it sort of like in a way can sort of welcome welcome you back into. I don't
1: know. Yeah. No, no. You've analyzed it well. Um, I'll give you an example of how that sort of occurred in the concrete. Peg had also always been told the Episcopal Church was like the Catholic Church, so don't go. So for a long time, she wouldn't go with me. Mm -hmm. And then we decided we would attend this class. Catholics,
0: we don't think you're bad. We're just like, no, we, we do. don't <laughs> think you're
1: bad at all. Actually, no, no. Well, but but before. in that generation, right. there was a divide, right? Okay. That's yeah. not there now to the same extent. So we go to this class. It's a year-long class, and they ask everybody in the class to talk about why they're enjoying coming to the Episcopal Church. And Peg says, "I don't listen. I don't." follow the liturgy, Um, I don't pray the prayers, I just pray, and I'm just there, Mm -hmm. and and I'm experiencing God in my own way. Now, she was sure that this was going to sabotage (laughs) my movement into the (laughs) Episcopal Church, because had she said that in the churches where she grew up, that would have been heartily condemned. Instead, everybody said, that is so cool that you can come and be yourself in this situation yeah. and just <laughs> take it for what it is and make it yours. Yeah. And at that moment, she became an Episcopalian <laughs> But I also, in seeing that, thought, this is where we belong.
2: Yeah.
1: It's safe. We don't have to fit into any particular mold in order to be included in this community.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. That really, is, you know, I mean, I just am in, in, um, struck by, I, I don't know, just the, the, the flavor of the whole story, right? Like mm. um, what, what you just said there in some ways is the same, it is very similar to a lot of stories you get mm-hmm. from people who come from another
2: denomination yes, to is.
0: the Episcopal Church, but, um, but having that entire journey <laughs> background makes it so much more powerful. Right, 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 right. Mean, that's really, really awesome. Um, okay, so <laughs> awesome, beautiful um I love this what and I know that I mean we could do probably a second episode of just like talking ministry and priesthood we could but, um we could m- maybe sort of as as just kind of a uh, a last thing yeah what um and unless you want to go down that right now, but like can you name, unless it was one of the stories you already told? Yeah. Do you have like this is the most quote unquote spiritual? Yeah. Experience I've ever had in my life.
1: Yeah, yeah. There are there's one that stands out, um, and I think you've probably heard me preach about it or talk about it. Um, For those of you that are Episcopalians know that priests can have something called a credo experience, where you go away for retreats roughly a week long. And I was on that retreat in Florida at the diocesan camp in middle Florida, and I was sitting during a break time at the far end of a lake at the middle of that camp, and there's a huge white cross at the other end that reflects in the water. And I was in a church at that time, this is some years later, I was in a church that, um, where there were a lot of issues. Mm. And I was struggling with being there. Um, my first experience in a church had been extraordinary in Aiken, South Carolina, but this experience was very, very challenging, and very difficult. So I'm praying and I'm saying, um, God, what are you doing here? Mm-hmm. You know, I'd learned along the way it's okay to pray like the prophets, you just can challenge and. Ask whatever questions you want to ask. You yeah. don't mm-hmm. always have to say nice things to God. What are yeah. you doing here? This is not working. This is really not working. How am I going to move beyond this? And I hear a voice, and it says, you won't be able to move beyond this until you learn what you've needed to learn. Mm. So I then say to this voice, this voice is the Holy Spirit in my thinking, I say to this voice, well, can you be a little more specific? What is it I I need to learn? And the voice said, yeah, I'm glad to be more specific. Um, You need to learn to tell the people in that congregation the truth, that they are um, mean with one another, they are fighting far too much and you've been trying to skirt around that and find an indirect way to communicate that and you need to tell them the truth. Mm. Okay, so I go back and I tell them the truth. Two weeks later, the bishop came and said, would you go to another parish where there's a great need and I think with your background you can really Mm -hmm. help. And it was a wonderful experience. So, two weeks later, if you know my response, really, I connect with what happened two weeks later. There was another piece of that retreat that was pretty fascinating. I was talking in a spiritual direction, and I'll, I'll go over this with speed Um, with a priest from Vermont about some of what my struggles were in ministry which was built into this program and he said he said now I know something I've never known it before and I thought what's he talking about and he said when Father Earl who was the original priest that had introduced me to the church at the Damien Center had died from a freak accident Mm -hmm they sent me his a stole of his hmm. because we worked on the national aids task Force.
0: all right so we were rolling we were doing good and right. you, uh we had a little technical issue there and had to pause so we're back and you were just getting into a final story
1: yeah and and it's a short story um i was in clinical pastoral education at that hospital i mentioned earlier driving up to Connecticut from New Jersey. And I, I this kind of ties some things together, I think. And I prayed, as I often do driving, and I prayed to God that I said, I think I'm ready to deal with some real intense grief issues. Mm-hmm. And so um, I ask you to help me to do that and to walk with me through that. So I get to CPE. Five minutes after we start, a call comes from the emergency room Ooh. Guys died.
0: Five minutes after
2: you started. Five minutes,
1: literally. A, a guy has died on the way to the emergency room, and his family is following, and they don't know it. And so, send your social work or your ministry student down to uh, deal with this because mm-hmm. she's going to arrive any minute. And I'm, I walk down and I say, you know, God, it's amazing to me how quickly you answer prayers. You don't have to do that <laughs> so fast for me. So quick. <laughs> um, a little more time would have been fine, yeah. but I think, I think I am ready, and you're ready, and it, it turned out to be a really liberating experience. The family and I mm-hmm. connected well. We walked yeah. around the block for a number of, of, of hours, actually, until her priest got there. And it, it's just an example, again, of how... I think it's not only the spirit speaking to me, but it's mm-hmm. also me initiating contact through the spirit with God as well. So that was the point I wanted to kind you of you initiating
0: contact. I was praying,
1: yeah, and that yeah. was a response to, clearly yeah, yeah. to me. That was a response to the prayer that I made driving up there. Yeah. yeah. Now some people would say that's a coincidence. Mm-hmm. I have a way of knowing, which again I can't proved to you empirically right. but a way of knowing internally when something is um just kind of random mm-hmm. and something is clearly related to our relationship yeah
0: which is it's just a sense a gut uh how do you heard
1: that and said okay
0: we're ready yeah, to yeah. go but you, in terms of distinguishing between coincidence and that you Yeah it's, it's just it's
1: very it's very clear yeah. to me yeah. that this is not a random act that it it's highly unlikely that within minutes of when I pray this prayer that that's going to happen. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Alright man, well <clears throat> so um this has been a lot of fun. It's been beautiful. It's yeah, been I've, have I've enjoyed this. I'm glad I've we this got to and, do it.
1: And I hope your um podcast is hugely <laughs> successful <laughs> yeah. as I think it will hey, be.
0: It, to me it's successful just it's an it's to me, it's the idea of getting to sit with people and have these conversations yeah. is yeah. an honor. Yeah. So, I, uh, so in that sense, it'll be successful for me. So, thank cool. you. Is there anything that you would, if anyone ever listens to these, that we you would want them to know about you? I mean, I know you provide spiritual direction. Is that something right. you want to put out there? Like yeah. Well, I do provide spiritual about, direction or? and and love doing that and I can have put worked your email with in there,
1: a number of people. As, as their spiritual director, and also have had a spiritual director for mm-hmm. a number of years. Um, I guess the thing I would like to say to folks is be willing to take a risk. Yeah. If you feel um, particularly drawn to a uh, church situation or to something that is calling you spiritually, don't hold back, because the... Um, the blessing of responding positively and letting god just deal with your fear if you have any and letting giving you encouragement is um is very very
0: powerful in my experience and i think that kind of has come through in my story in life, so yeah yeah. yeah yeah awesome thank you well i will um if you want me to i'll put your email in in the uh, show notes th- so that if, if sure. anyone does want to look you up for spiritual direction they yeah. can And, uh, we didn't even get in, man. Part of my story with you and Carla and our way of coming into relationship with you really, um, was a real sort of spirit led. Yes, it was. So we'll, we'll get into that another time, but anyway. All right, man. Well, um, that was good. I appreciate it very much. It was good. That was good. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, much love to you and Peg and, uh, appreciate you. you walking with me on this journey and, and other journeys. And, uh, Maybe we'll do it again sometime. Yeah, maybe so. All right. God bless. Peace. Bye.